Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Life. My name is NBZ and we're here at episode 105 of this fine show. I'm joined as always, as ever, by the stalwart host who lives across the sea. It's Bali. How are you doing, Bali? Hi, NBZ. I'm very good. Did you have a good Thanksgiving weekend? Oh yes, because I was celebrating with my turkey, of course yes. I do, that is what I eat on the Thanksgiving, uh, no, Bali, I went, we, to, I went uh, to a Thanksgiving meal, it was great. I mean, yeah, you did, because you're associating with some American people, right. <laughs> so, how was that experience? It was good, I was sceptical, I was worried about there being enough good food in it to be hot, but it was, there was a lot of good food, it wasn't all massively hot, but it, it worked out well. You said you've had, had bad to... experiences with Thanksgivings in the past. Yeah, but, uh... I don't know. I just think that uh, the idea of lots of people bringing food to a gathering, it's just very hard to get it all hot. And I'm a big fan of hot food. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, It's all about timing, is making sure things, things stay piping. Because I'm one of those people who really can't stand when my hot food goes cold. Right. Uh, my sister, on the other hand, doesn't give a fuck. And so she will just eat anything at any time. Yeah, I know people like that. They're just crazy. Yeah, it's like, like oh. can't deal with it. My dad is the same, because sometimes he'll put stuff in the microwave to heat up, and then he gives it to me. I'm like, Dad, this is nowhere near hot enough. Like, what, do you, what is your threshold for what hot is? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so that happens a lot. Uh, in any case, I hope everyone uh, in America who listens to this podcast had a nice Thanksgiving, and I hope everyone else across the world also had a nice Thursday, because Thursday is a pretty good day. I and I hope everyone had a great Black Friday. And everyone didn't sure. no got crushed by the crowds. And yeah, I, I really don't know how many people actually go outside on Black Friday anymore because it seems like just online's the way to go these days. I saw a, a hilarious tweet uh, based on it's like some department store in London, and they were all the all this fil- these film camera crews were like there, uh, ready to like film the the morning uh, when the shop opened in in the morning <laughs> and. Um, and basically there was just one guy waiting and he just walked very orderly once the door opened and it was just emphasizing that the black the whole black friday thing has maybe dropped off a tad in the uk uh this year yeah maybe i don't think it even really got started to begin with it was only like the last couple of years uh, there, was, there were a few there were a few sort of rampages yeah maybe but i also we're british so generally i don't think we do the stampede thing as much uh, as the americans do yes we we, we, hey. queue. we queue of course <laughs> of course it's not anyway, a line it's a queue let's stop talking about rampant consumerism and uh, instead move on to a different sort of rampant consumerism that is exactly. video games <laughs> exactly. instead instead a much more artful rampant consumerism uh so uh bali what are we going to be talking about in the show today and then uh actually before that we should probably plug the fact that hey we have a patreon and also thank you for people for supporting us on the patreon we hit our first goal on the patreon thank you uh, uh which uh, unlocked our first podcast um which is our tnl ranks show where we'll be ranking various video game things it'll be a fun time and the first episode shall hopefully go up uh, a week uh, after this show goes live so if you would like to get access to that new show that new podcast which will be patreon exclusive uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash this nintendo life and it's the two dollar tier there uh, any support you can give always appreciated but thank you for the people so far uh, who've supported us uh bally now you can tell us what we're going to be talking about in the rest of the show. As usual, we are going to talk about what we have been playing. We have an email segment for our second segment. And the third segment, it's 
We're coming to the end of the year. It's feeling that that holiday season feel. And of course, that means Game of the Year is coming up. But before our Game of the Year, there's the official, the Keeleys, the the, the Video Game Awards. Or they're just called the Game Awards. Uh, they're they're called up, the Game Awards, the yeah. The Game Awards. They're coming up on December 8th, right? Absolutely. So yeah. we are going to go through sort of all the, the nominees, the categories, and give a, a rundown on what we think will win and also what we want to win. And there's quite a lot of Nintendo showing this year, which is exciting. Yes, two games in particular seem to be just everywhere up uh, across everywhere. the board. Which two uh, games yes. could those possibly be? Um, that would be uh, Bird and Beans and, of course, the seminal classic uh, Ninja Gaiden. So, uh-huh. yeah, I thought it was going to be Pokemon Sun and Moon Ultra. Right, uh, Ultra Sun and Moon, yeah, just exactly. the most revolutionary games to be released this year. Absolutely remarkable. Piece Reinventing of the wheel. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, anyway, uh, let's kick things off by talking about some video games. Bally, what have you been playing last couple of weeks? Um, I've been working back through a bit of Mario Odyssey. I'm sort of going back through each kingdom systematically with a podcast on trying to 100% the, the moons in each kingdom. I'm not going for purple coins. I've decided it's not worth it. I, I know my Odyssey will look a little empty at the end, but it's fine. I just want to get all the moons and and move on with my life. So I've, I'm currently just done the Cascade Kingdom. I'm now in um, Tortorina, I think it's called. Toasterina? Toasterina, there we go. The yeah. Sand Kingdom. So I'm yeah. working my way through that one. I'm going to keep doing that probably for the rest of the year until I get to that magical... The rest of your life, eight, you mean. 80, <laughs> yeah, the rest of my life. Um, as a result, Stardew has taken a bit of a back seat. Uh, I'm probably going to play more of that over over the, the Christmas period because it's, you know, farming. It's a nice cosy game, isn't cozy it? To game, just like sit up in a chill, chair yeah, and... Uh, pick up and yeah. play. There's family about, so I don't want to maybe dive into games whole hog. I want to be able to dip in and out, which will be good. Uh, yeah. And then, obviously, I've been dipping a little bit into Final Fantasy VI for our backlog club, which we will obviously talk about uh, starting next year. But the main thing I've been playing, uh, this game originally came out in 2014, actually, right? It's 2015. That, 2015, and that was Rocket League. So, yeah. And it was a really unusual price. It was something like £11.13 or something. It was like, oh, £10. It was weird. Anyway, uh, it really does feel just as good as I remember it from playing at friends' houses in 2015 when they bought it on PlayStation 4. So it actually runs and looks really good. Uh, so for the uninitiated, I'm sure most people know, but what is Rocket League? Bally? Rocket League is football, I say, I should say soccer, with cars. Uh, and everyone, I've, I've told a number of people, like including like Caroline, oh yeah, there's this game coming out called Rocket League. I'm so excited for it. She's like, all right, what is it? I'm like... It's football with cars. And she was like, that <laughs> sounds awful. Why? It does, doesn't it? As a Why? pitch, it just sounds really horrendous. Exactly. And I remember uh, Daniel Dwyer uh, with his uh, documentary, right? And he, he talked to the team behind it. I've forgotten their name already. Uh, Psionics is Psionics. So Psionics was sort of selling what Rocket League was to, I believe, like the press teams at Sony when they were doing their whole like free to play launch and stuff. And mm-hmm. they sold it as like it's soccer with cars, and they were like, "What? What? What? What's the big deal?" But yeah. it works. Like it just works, and it's I'm loving it so far. Uh, I I say it runs well. I should say that occasionally on certain stages. Uh, the resolution will drop considerably. And that, that's for stages where there's yeah. like maybe a lot of like snow effects or rain or there's only a handful of stages where I've, I've noticed it drop considerably. And the great thing is that the frame rate 
by and large almost always like stays constant which really makes a difference it might look a bit grainy at times but honestly with an, a game where action is so important like rocket league we're talking about a sports game you really want that frame rate to hold up and it, it, it does to, to my my experience they made the right choice essentially like they could exactly. have made it look pretty and made it you know be more uh, comparable to the ps4 version but they scaled it down and they were like okay it may be a bit pixely here but it's going to be smooth as butter the whole way through and honestly when you're playing a game like that you really don't focus on the texture quality or like how good the car looks versus the other car because it's so fast paced and because you're focused on playing the game the frame rate is the thing that matters the most and so they definitely made the right choice there and uh so so i've been playing the game as well because we actually received a review copy uh uh, courtesy of psionics uh, so thanks to them for providing that uh unfortunately bally you were so eager to play this game that you bought it on release date and we didn't get the copy in until a couple of days later so i was like oh bally we got a copy i can't give it to you because you already (laughs) bought it so i guess i'll play the game now which has been interesting but then we both had it and we've played some online and it's been it's been a really good good time yeah, so uh, I have I was someone who was more skeptical about Rocket League because I'm someone who's like not a massive football fan. I used to be back in the day, but you know it's just not really been my thing. Uh, and I'm also terrible at driving games, just awful, uh, and can't move a car. It's just it's just this game is made for you, MBZ. Right to save my life, essentially. So. Uh, jumping into rocket league was uh, a very interesting experience because there are a few aspects of it that i think are very accommodating to people um and i think the the major one that stuck out to me is the camera system and how that works um essentially because the ball is just bounding around so fast and it's very bouncy and there's a lot of physics going on in the game it's hard to keep track of and so they implemented a system where if you press the x button your camera essentially locks to where the ball is so no matter where you are wherever you're driving on the arena you're always in control of or you know where the ball is so you can come at it from different angles and you can attack it when you need to and you can like boost into it the problem with that is that sometimes it changes the controls so like when you're looking at uh, you're like driving towards the camera essentially you're uh, kind of the way you move from left to right is different from what it should be in your head it's kind of like a mirror kind of reverse thing going I mean, on the controls so, never actually change so no. if you just think of it in that way so you're right when if you're focused on the ball but the car is driving towards the screen yeah uh, yeah you you're you're turning left to go right on the screen but actually if you imagine you're in the other camera view which is what happens when you press x so you look behind the camera and you're essentially third person looking at the car uh yes. then a left will be a left but yeah i i I was personally okay with that and like just working out the the only time i found it to be an issue is when i start driving up a wall because that really messes me up and more often than not i just end up i end up on the ceiling and like then just fall to the ground from the ceiling which is really really bad um but so i've i've kind of tried i don't know how you've been doing with the camera but i've kind of kind of tried to switch it so that when i'm trying to go for a goal i'm trying to head on hit the ball i'm turning that camera off because otherwise when you're trying to dribble it or whatnot it it, because your uh camera is moving to where the ball is and if your dribbling is slightly off it will maybe decenter you from where you want to be as opposed to being like straight onto it so that's what i've been kind of toggling between them i don't know if you've been uh trying the non-locked on mode i'm actually in the the camera that locks onto the ball 99 percent of the time because i've just sort of trained myself that that's how i play the game and i'm almost in my head visualizing the arena 
and okay. reference points in my head of where I think the ball is going in terms of like defending my own goal and stuff. Uh, so when the only time I switch out of that camera is when I want to run over a boost pad so there's like sort of sure. some boost pads give you like 10% boost and others give you 100% boost so I will They're like always... the ones in the corner of the arena mainly exactly so I'll I'll frequently just go turn the camera to look behind my car and I'll look for a 100% boost pad go over that and then swap straight back to the the uh ball tracking camera uh so yeah I and that that just sort of works the best for me um so yeah it, like it runs really well I I think that I, I did try out the other modes, so I'm like they're non soccer modes. So there's right. one game. It's called... essentially kind of seasonal stuff, like the ice hockey. Yeah. But instead of instead of what Overwatch does, which is to do those for like a limited period of time and then take them away, they kind of just kept them in the game, just added them and then left them there, which is cool. And the the one thing I really want to mention, which is so important to the health of this game, particularly on Switch is the fact that they allow the cross-platform play. Uh, And what that does is it means it opens you up to the entire PC and Xbox audience of Rocket League players. And so you have a huge pool. I was on last night, and it was like 120,000 people online. And that just wouldn't be the case if it was just drawing from Switch players alone um so it means that some of the lesser played modes despite the fact that there may be only five or six hundred people playing that's a significant amount and enough to where you can easily jump in and still get a game on one of those modes whereas in other games sometimes it gets to the point where like even playing some titanfall late uh in the game when it had been out for a while it was even hard to just get a match in some of these different modes because there weren't enough people there not enough bodies to fill the servers essentially yeah um, so, so i tried all these other modes so you've got a uh, drop shot which is it's kind of, kind of hard to explain but essentially it's really weird it's the, essentially yeah. like half the arena is yours and half is theirs it's a bit like volleyball in a sense where breaking tiles on the floor and then trying to get it through the broken tiles yeah the ball breaks tiles on the floor and then the ball wants to go through the tiles and that's how you score a goal it's a bit strange ice hockey it just replaces the ball with a puck i don't actually think there's any ice physics with the drive no it didn't feel like which is a good thing personally because yeah the number of times video games just go for ice and slippy movement and this happens all the time with like mario i it was fun the first time maybe but like we're so far down the line of ice effects in video games i'm just so tired of it now i think sure um so i'm glad it doesn't have that basketball which is the the you essentially have baskets, which are very strange because the ball will reflect off them, but the cars can drive through them. Uh, right. And it, the the whole court, the whole, well, it's not a stadium, it's a court, is very, very small. Um, I really didn't enjoy either of these modes. Uh, I think maybe I could potentially get into them, but it just doesn't feel anything like as f- much fun as soccer. Um, oh wow what a surprise vanilla boy number one only likes the vanilla game well yeah and no, but here's where I, I differ from being called vanilla because vanilla in this game is three on three uh, and i well, played i've played quite a lot of uh, 3v3 versus caroline and it's fun uh, and she actually beats me fairly often three on three but the thing is i way prefer two on two because i just have so much more yeah. control over the match Whereas I feel like I can... Right, and you you also have much more opportunity to interact with the ball yourself when Precisely. there are fewer players on the field. I feel like I can play really well three-on-three three and still lose, like, many times. And sometimes yeah, I absolutely. can have a really rubbish game three-on-three three and win. And I'm like, this isn't fair. I should be winning when I play well and losing when I play badly. And I feel mm-hmm. like 
the more so you can also go four versus four which i tried a couple and that's just horrible personally i don't seems like chaos it's a bit chaotic uh so yeah 2v2 you can really and i think the computer intelligence especially once you i play normally on pro so rookie's the basic and then pro is the next one up and then the next two tiers are pretty insane and i don't i've not really gone there yet but the pro setting uh if you hang back the the computer will go towards the ball and likewise if you go to the ball the computer will hang back hang back which is like a really nice system so me and caroline played a ton on like 2v2 and i really enjoyed that uh and i feel like i feel like i'm really getting better um and overall it's just a great experience like this is now my go-to sort of online switch experience to to just you know tune in have a game having said that uh, the next one after that is Splatoon 2, and we know that there's a ton of stuff coming to Splatoon 2. So Yeah, big updates. I haven't actually jumped back into it yet, but I know there's lots of new stuff. If it hadn't been for all that extra new stuff for Splatoon 2, I think Rocket League would, by some way, be my, like my go-to, just because I really, really love that, that, that formula. And it's not a huge game. There's not a ton of modes, but there's enough modes, and it's a really standard sports game essentially I, I know that there's a career mode i've not tried it yet i don't know if that's like how that works or whether it's online i imagine it's just playing against bots uh, a lot of it i i haven't tried it either yeah and i imagine they just get gradually better and but i mean there is a really good tutorial mode i'd i'd enjoy more stuff in this game that helped you more with tutorials and like spiking the ball out of the sky and yeah how and are you finding the goal? kind of aerial stuff because that seems the kind of next barrier to breach with me for rocket league is right. I've got my head around like the basics and I know what I'm doing, but like jumping into the air, then using your boost to kind of hover, like stay in the air and control the ball aerially seems like something. When I look at this game, I clearly see the line between being okay at the game and being very good at the game. Oh yeah. I've played with some insanely good people online and they are just, it, the ball, the game doesn't take place on the ground anymore. It's just right. purely in the sky. And I, I did not have an enjoyable experience whatsoever playing them online because I was just completely out of the game. Um, sure. I am getting better at spiking out the sky. And the thing with spiking out the sky is it's, there doesn't really need to be control in the sense. Everyone thinks that like, oh, you got to you got to angle it. And then you spike it just at this angle essentially spiking it out as long as you're making contact with the ball nothing else matters and it's all about the control of getting to make that contact because all you're doing is spiking out the sky to put the ball into the goal scoring zone essentially where and the the opposition's end of the pitch where you can score a goal so i'm getting so much better at uh you know boosting through the sky and getting that early hit on touch on the ball it gets the ball up at the opposition end and i can create a goal i think that there have been a number of times where i've done it defensively and then you're massively out of position because you're having to boost through the sky in order to do this so you end up turning around driving all the way back to your own goal to defend and often i've been late and concede a goal and so and that's not good so i think it is something that you only want to do when you're really going you know you're really going for it you're not defending as hard or something so it, I'm getting better at it. It, it. It's I'm and it does feel like a, a smooth learning curve where I'm I'm getting better. I'm going to enjoy the game more and more, and I'll be able to challenge uh, more challenging players more and more online. I think so. Yeah. Have you tried the competitive mode at all? Because I think that's the next kind of thing to to go to if you want to 
improve yourself properly. for online matches yeah 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 i think that's the one i tried that where i met all those crazy guys uh, right that's probably why yeah, <laughs> it was crazy um and anyway the stuff like the samus car the mario and luigi cars they look yeah, great. some really cool things it's in really there cool. like uh, customization is fun i've um because you can basically have different presets for your customization. So I made one that I called the Flaming Pigeon, which is like a car with flame decals on it and just a pigeon's head on top. Mm. <laughs> like really stupid stuff. Um, and yeah, you. I, so the the thing where it comes to progression is a little weird because there are kind of loot boxes in this game and it seems yeah, like the only no way to open them is to yeah. pay for keys to open. Um, and so sometimes you unlock those after matches. The one thing which makes it not too bad is no matter what happens in a match, after every match, you'll get something like you'll unlock a thing whether it be uh, a trail or a goal explosion or a skin just something that helps you add to the customization of your car Um, and that's nice it's it means that you're not getting frustrated when you lose because honestly like the points reward between winning and losing is pretty small like you get 750 for a loss and a thousand for a win Um, and i think you may get bonuses dependent on how you score in the match like how many points you get um it's an interesting system where it's like based on saves and like shots on goal and stuff um so yeah i i think they've got a good idea for progression in there um that is is not super based around like this loot box stuff even though they've I, kind of added in, there. I like how you, so you can't customize the Nintendo car. So I and right. but there's one item you can get, which is like uh, the Game Awards trophy. It's sort of like the it's almost like a bent over angel sort of thing. Position. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I like how <laughs> it'd be funny if you could put that on like the Mario car as like right. You know, Mario Odyssey. Mario Odyssey should win Game of the Year. You know, and all this, and uh-huh. just by wearing it on the car. But Nintendo being like, nope. You can't customize Nintendo cars. We're not putting all these other uh, things and country flags and uh, like video game developers uh, stickers on the cars. So that, yeah, I made a really stupid car, which is like a monster truck with like pink stars on it and a wizard's hat, and then it has the Indian flag as its as its thing. <laughs> so it's like the dumbest fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's great that the game allows you like that flexibility to be stupid. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and yeah, it's all, I enjoyed that. It's all um, it's all aesthetic. It's none of it affects your car as much. Right? Is, is yeah. Good. I, the one thing I find a little hard to figure out is like the bulk and size of the car and how much that affects you. How do they keep the hitboxes the same? Exactly. Right. I agree. Yeah. It, I have no idea. Because I was playing with the monster truck and it did feel slightly different from the car I was playing with before. Like the kind because you, you have the streamlinedness of the Samus car. Uh, and so the monster truck does feel a bit different okay. um, so maybe there are differences there mm. I just it's hard for me to really say as someone who's not very familiar with how the game works um, yeah but the, the, I think the last thing I'll say about Rocket League is even if you're bad at the game which patently I am bad at the game um, it's very clever in the way that when you get that one moment where everything aligns and you smash the ball through the air and you get an incredible goal it feels amazing like there's this Mm. real fantastic satisfaction not only in like you know the rumble is great and stuff but the explosion of the goal how everyone flies out from it there's some really good attention to detail paid in the uh, animation department and the kind of um, sound department to make that uh, achievement feel like a really great thing when you finally hit it and Um, i feel like even if you're very bad at the game the way that the game is made up you can actually massively influence the game just from the smallest thing. And what I mean by this is the way that the corners, for example, are aligned. A lot of the time, the ball will run around the side, run around the corner, and then it will just roll in front of the goal. 
And right. regardless of how good you are at making contact with the ball and getting it to go at the right angles and things like this, all as long as you can just make sure your timing is right to charge at that ball when it's rolling in front of the opposition goal, you can score a goal even if you're not you know, really good at the game. And like the skill comes from a lot of the other stuff and those things. But if you can get the basics right, you can still really make a difference to your team and win the match. And like, that's a very satisfying thing to do that makes it more appealing to pick up and play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I have, having said that, had multiple times where I just boost my way into the back of the goal and completely oh, yeah, it's, whiff it's still, on hitting it. It's still um, tricky, but it's, yeah. it's like a good first step. Right, but I mean, that's where the satisfaction comes from, yeah. is the one time where you do hit it, and you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, that was awesome. Um, I really, I want them to try and implement the video recording feature as soon as possible into this game, because there have been some goals where I'm like, oh, shit, that was awesome, but yeah. I can only take a screenshot right now, which is a little disappointing. Um, but uh, I'm sure they'll get there. I'm sure they'll keep adding uh, and and making this game better. And I think the one thing that we should say probably most of all is that this coming out now on the switch is like it's better than ever because there are so many people playing it's still a very active community and you have all these other modes which just didn't exist when the game launched you know like it's just a much um more varied more um you know wide variety of stuff that you have available to you uh, right out of the box which yeah. is just fantastic so uh nbz yeah what what numerous games have you been delving into uh pretty much everything known to man uh i uh, i picked up danganronpa getting that end of the year cramming in yeah basically i wanted to play danganronpa before the end of the year because i knew it was going to be something that i was gonna like and gonna be into got xenoblade coming up that's the big one yeah that is the big one um so i'm like halfway through that i'll talk about it maybe later um i've been playing a game called flint hook which is like a roguelike game which i'll maybe talk about a bit more next time but uh the thing that i've been getting through the most is Everyone's been talking about this Wolfenstein Bally. It's it's all over the place. Sounds People cool. are saying that New Colossus is uh, is doing some crazy stuff, uh, and it's also a game that's coming to a Nintendo platform, which is the Switch next year, which is really weird. Like, how can I say that out loud? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Should, should I pick up this game next year, MBZ? Um, I think absolutely, uh, because. It's the sort of thing that you don't really play, and it's the sort of thing that I think you will enjoy as someone who is um, new to kind of the first-person genre uh, and someone who likes storytelling in games. Uh, mm. I think those are its, its strong suits. So the interesting thing is I actually played through The New Order, which was the first, not the first Wolfenstein game. There have been like 50 billion Wolfenstein games. Oh, have but there? in terms of, it, I mean, it's a, it's a series that goes back. Its, its roots are in old PC gaming, Valley. Like the first, almost the first first-person shooter ever was wolfenstein 3d uh, wow. and then after that was doom and you know they built on you know games like that afterwards i don't know if you remember but on the gba they put out the original doom yes uh, at I a do. point um i don't know if you remember playing any of it or on other people's gbas but i remember someone had it at school and i remember seeing it and being like oh that's a really cool game and so i do have a weird nostalgia for like those old pc shooters because i did play some of the, like do you remember x versus sever that game yes i do actually um, yeah so like was those a, was that a re-release on gba as well no i think that was a new game okay. that had come out um but it was essentially in the mold of a doom and a wolfenstein i i don't know i, I think that was based on a movie or something x versus sever uh i really can't remember but it was it was 
for me i definitely have some kind of nostalgic attachment so there are some things that happen in the new order which call back to that stuff which i was like oh my god that's pretty awesome uh there's similar stuff in new colossus as well but uh the interesting part about these two games is that they are first person shooters but i honestly view them much more as kind of action adventure games uh because there's a lot of shooting but there are also a lot of quiet moments and a lot of uh contemplative moments where you're in your base and you're kind of walking around looking at the environment there's a lot of environmental storytelling you pick up notes you're reading about the world and the state of it and for people who don't know the the whole idea of wolfenstein series is that the nazis win the war um and that they have basically taken over and you are bj blaskowitz who is basically a a rebel who's trying to uh you know take them down uh, and destroy them and all this stuff and so there are these areas where you're talking to characters and a really big thing that I really like in New Colossus is there are often two characters who will just be standing around and be having a conversation with each other. So you're getting this environmental storytelling by just standing near them and listening to them and, and hearing what they say. And there's some really good stuff that comes out of that that helps to build both those characters and also the state of the world around you and what their concerns are and, and all these different things that are going on. Um, and there's also a section in The New Order which is almost like a puzzle-solving section which just really came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, that's that's interesting and weird and it wasn't the kind of thing i expected from this game because going into it it seems like yeah you're just all the marketing for one thing is just based around just running and gunning and just destroying nazis essentially um and that's really not i mean that is a lot of the game but it's not what it um it focuses on because it is Mm. very narratively driven you are telling the story about how these resistance fighters take on the nazis and and these characters are really well developed they uh, exceptionally acted the the mocap is fantastic and for for someone who is a meathead of a protagonist bj blaskowitz has a lot of depth to him and they really go deep on that in new colossus where there are these flashback scenes that kind of uh take you back to his childhood uh and there are some just really amazing sequences uh that ground him as a character and make him feel like uh, w- one of the kind of best first person shooter protagonists i've ever played and he is and he's a german no he's an american he's american um i imagine the name blaskowitz is probably some scandinavian descent i don't know i think i think there's probably some something there that links him back to to europe in some way uh you know i guess there are a lot of americans who have european descent of some sort right oh, so there's probably yeah. they're probably i don't know what the backstory Most. is there but um <laughs> But, like, for this character who used to just be uh, a hand with a gun, you know, in the early 90s, to now be a very fully realized, um, you know, protagonist is is pretty exceptional. I think they do just really great stuff with him. And his relationships with other people are just really fascinating. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of weird and crazy stuff. And uh, the one thing I think a lot of people have been criticizing about these two games is that they don't like the shooting right like they're like oh i don't really like the way this feels it's it's not really satisfying um and i have felt pretty opposite to that i actually really like it and it may be because i'm playing on the easiest difficulty because for me i'm someone who is not great at single player first person shooters i kind of play first person shooters as if it's a multiplayer game the whole time which means like 
I don't survive very long, right? When you're playing a multiplayer shooter, right. uh, you're in there for maybe two minutes tops before someone takes you out. And so oh, your yeah. mentality is very much speed and efficiency and just going through. And so... And your mouse and keyboard, right? Yes, absolutely. I couldn't imagine playing this with a controller, honestly. Maybe that's why people are complaining, because a lot of people are playing on PS4. That's probably the reason. Um, but for me what it does is really combine the idea of sound uh, and visuals to create a satisfying effect and and that is like when you're shooting a gun you see the um the clippings just fly out at this crazy speed and there's like flashes as you shoot um and you really feel the impact on the nazis that you're just taking down there are moments in corridors where you're just running blitzing down there and just mowing them down in like complete ridiculous fashion um and in particular i really like the shotgun in these games they are incredibly satisfying uh they just feel so heavy and weighty and and you just when you're getting close and you use that shotgun it's it's an incredible feeling um so that's probably why i'm i'm enjoying it is because it's giving me that power fantasy level of like i am playing as bj blaskowitz bj blaskowitz is a badass he's a fucking monster who is able to destroy nazis and has no problem doing so and i feel like if i were to play on a harder difficulty or even just the normal difficulty which people say is is pretty tough is pretty frustrating i feel like i'm doing a disservice to the story they're trying to tell because the story they're trying to tell is this main character who is incredibly powerful and is just a force of destruction so if i'm playing it on a hard difficulty i'm not really getting that in a gameplay sense exactly right like that's not who bj blaskowitz is and so by playing through on easy i think i'm actually embodying what the story wants the game to be more so than anything else and and that's really been great because he is just a force of nature and you like you're switching between guns constantly uh, and just running around and taking down these robots as well it's it's really fun as a on easy to just decimate people it's just it's just a really um satisfying experience and so maybe people who like first person shooters will get satisfaction out of playing on higher difficulties but as someone who doesn't particularly find so so repetition when it comes to shooting mechanics is not something that i think is enjoyable for me when i play a hard platformer i don't mind redoing stuff because i inherently love the mechanics of platforming yeah i don't inherently love the mechanics of shooting guys when i get through them it's like great i just got through and i'm on to the next section it feels for me the pacing is much more important in a game like wolfenstein not only because it's very narrative focused but because for me shooting just isn't it's not my wheelhouse right and so i don't mind dying a million times in super meat boy in fact that's the part of the game i love whereas in wolfenstein if i die a million times i know i'm just going to get annoyed with it right i'm just going to get frustrated because those set of mechanics are not what i like the most Mm. um so so that's what i've been doing i've been charging my way through i'm probably about halfway through the new colossus i finished the new order and so i have a good idea of the story and the characters honestly the new colossus is a massive step up i think in terms of storytelling so for you bali if you're going into this and you want to be caught up they do do a thing at the start where they kind of give you some backstory i actually skipped it because i just literally finished playing the last game i might properly watch a let's play it's a game where you know i don't watch many let's plays and this is such a narrative driven game and like you got the second one coming out on switch i might as well just 
properly go for it and maybe try and avoid the the wikipedia article yeah that that makes sense actually like if you have the time to do so if you find a good let's player who you know can get through the game and you can watch it in a short amount of time it's not a particularly long game i think it took me about seven hours for the first one playing mm. on easy obviously it'll take longer if you're playing on a harder difficulty i think there's even on youtube just like hey here are the cutscenes of this game um so that there's that as an option as well uh and, you know there's 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 important characters who carry over from the first game and you see kind of the genesis of the relationship that bj has um with one particular character which is kind of central to the entire story um so i think that it's probably important that you have some of that knowledge uh but if you don't want to go and do it, i don't think it's you know for people out there who are thinking about picking up wolfenstein 2 on switch i don't think it's super necessary you can jump in and have a good idea of what's going on without knowing every detail about everyone uh in in this game um but yeah so far loving it i think it's it's a great thrill ride uh and yeah it's i i definitely recommend it and so when it comes out on switch i hope it's a good version you know cross our fingers doom is, yeah. is pretty good so uh so yeah that's that's pretty much it uh anyway i think that's gonna wrap us up for this segment of the show but do not go anywhere we'll be right back at you with some of your emails see you in a bit Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. It's the second segment and as usual for the second segment it is time for your emails. A uh, very special request this time as it's coming to the end of the year that of course means it's time for game of the year discussions. Our next two shows before the end of the year we are going to be talking about our games of the year. We want your games of the year. We want everything that you played this year that didn't have to come out this year but also the games that also did come out this year. So anything and everything we want it. Any platform let us know what you've been playing this year and we can feed some emails into some good discussions for the final two shows of the year. So our first email this week is from Robert C, who is from the internet. Hey, MZ and Bally, I must say that I am incredibly excited that Final Fantasy 3 is the next Backlog Club game. I don't have too many games in my own personal backlog, but this is one of them, and it's right up at the top. It's a game that I've been waiting for the right time to play, and well, you've made it the right time. Anyway, I thought it might be interesting if you guys could talk about the types of games that are on your own backlogs. Other than the obvious answer of there being too many other games to play, what is it that makes the games on your backlog take a back seat? How many old games are there versus new games? I have games on my list ranging from the NES all the way to the Switch. Even brand new games that I'm anxiously awaiting the release of sometimes go straight to my backlog for whatever reason. would love to hear your thoughts. As always, thank you for making such a great podcast. Thanks, Robert, for the email. Uh, glad that you will be joining us in playing Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. He said 3 in the email, of course, Bally. Let's just confuse you even more. Yeah, he just, he just wants to confuse me some more, that's all. <laughs> Basically, you know, the one reason why he said 3 is to confuse Bally, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, so we've talked about backlog games a lot before, but I think this is an interesting take on it, is what 
takes priority like when do you choose to take something out of the backlog and play it and and for what reasons do you, do you have a system value that you go by oh, that's yes. like okay there, there is a reason for why i'm playing this now versus later so i have a very strict system and it's good to talk about this because it's such a big part of our show is our backlogs and we talk a lot about historical nintendo games especially and games that we go back to uh, that we might have missed or have just been we've bought ages ago haven't played in a while and we want to talk about on the show so we should also mention that we use a website called backloggery.com where we log all of our games and it actually took you a while to persuade me to use this website took me fucking said. forever I mean, to make really you make like an account year. yeah so oh, eventually it was such a pain in the ass i was like constantly like, Val, you're never going to remember what you play in the year come on you're doing this podcast now you gotta do it come on exactly. get on there and you're like oh i've got to put them all type them all in and i will admit the first time you go to the website i it's wish they had better tools yeah. i wish you could just like start typing in a game name and it would autofill hopefully they get there eventually but you do kind of have to go out of your own volition and type everything in manually uh so but if you, you have a lot of games end. it takes yeah. time but so, it's worth it in the end i think so yeah i was persuaded to log all my games which i did maybe a year after the we started the podcast and it, the games in, at that time were basically games from my childhood that i hadn't completed that i had played a bit of almost all of them but i hadn't actually beaten so i put them all in the backlog back backloggery i should say i can call it backlog club that's a separate thing um and basically from there it was a case of you saying oh bally this game's on sale you really pick it up i'd pick it up i'd play it and then i would get bogged down in new releases clashing with the games that i was previously trying to play uh, this got a lot worse more recently, sort of in the last couple of years. I think the end of last year where you got Pokemon Sun and you're playing yeah. Fire Emblem Conquest. I was like, Bally, and you started Majora's Mask. I'm like, Bally, yeah. what are you doing? Why are you starting all three of yeah. these games yeah. at the same time and, and you mistake. still haven't gone back to any of them? So. Exactly. It was a mistake. Uh, they were all played for a bit and then put down. And I want to go back to all three of those games. And it's a real shame because... 20, it's not a shame. 2017 has been an, a stellar year. And we have... Absurd. I've been I've been broadly playing new releases almost the entire time. There are some absolute great games that uh, I I have also played from my backlog that basically it's essentially games that go on sale uh, that I feel like I want to play at some point but don't have the time to play at the time. I right. buy them and they go into my backlog essentially. Uh, so it's a combination of games from my childhood that I mean to go back to play, games on sale that I pick up at the time and mean to go back to play and then uh, sort of top tier new games that come out that for one reason or another get bogged down by other new releases a game like pokemon sun uh, like fire emblem fates conquest that i played at the time when they came out but only played very briefly and then had to put them away again which was a real shame but uh, i do want to get back to those but those are my sort of three main categories in terms of going back to those categories and picking up what i want to play i do try and mix it up like if i've just played a really long rpg uh, I might be more keen to look at my backlog and think, oh, let's play a shorter platformer or something. And like just trying to mix it up again. Uh, I don't want to just be talking about one style of game all the time on the show is the other thing. So having the ba- having my backlog is a really nice way of saying, I've talked a lot about one thing on the show recently in the last few months. Let's pick this game to play for next next episode and I'll play that and beat that and do some notes and talk about it on the show. So that's sort of how my backlog has evolved uh, and as i say this year has just been so full of new games that the backlog has been uh, reached more seldom than normal uh, and that's what's interesting is that we do do our top 
10 games of the year that didn't come out this year so that's what we and those are almost all backlog games by and large so that's sort of what we're going to talk about next next show so it's it's yeah. just a, it's a big part of the show and uh i think that's basically a broad layout of how i operate uh mbz your your backlog is somewhat larger than mine i should say mine's currently <laughs> sitting mine's currently sitting on 32 and I, I genuinely, think somewhat larger is a bit of an understatement. Right, yours is at least fair. three times larger, and you've already like <laughs> culled numerous games. Whereas I've culled a handful. Don't get me wrong, from some very old games that I just have no interest in going back to. But those thirty-two, uh, many of which are Super Nintendo games for the Super Nintendo Classic, uh, I do want to go back to and beat. So yeah. So my system is a little more based Haphazard. on. Well, no, not really haphazard. It's so a lot of it is mood, and a lot of it is how I feel at the time, and like, do I want to play this right now? Um, but a lot of it is kind of coinciding with what is new and what is happening, right? So this week is a good example because I wanted to play Wolfenstein Two, but before I did that, I knew that I had Wolfenstein: The New Order in, sitting in my Steam library, which I should have shouted this out during the segment. But shout outs to Kevin Sharma, friend of the show, for gifting me New Order like last year, uh, and I told him like I'm going to get to this by the end of the year. I'll, I'll tell you what, and I did. So there you go. I, I'm a man of my word. But the idea that I'm playing the game, you still not broken your Switch though. Well, you know, we'll I you will get to that. Generally, it's not out yet. It's only a week. It could still get delayed, Bali. Or late delay. Oh boy. Uh, so, in a situation like that, I wanted to play the first game before I played the second game. So, even though we're in a place where like there's a lot of things, like Rocket League is happening and Mario Odyssey is happening, I put those aside for a second to play through something like the New Order because it will help inform my opinion of the new colossus right like that's important to me is to go into that experience having the previous experience then you also have the experience of earlier this year i played through persona 3 portable and the reason for that was i knew persona 5 was coming out and i knew that persona 5 would really change things up and make it so it would be even harder to go back to persona 3 later down the line so i kind of wanted to get out the way before it was too hard to go back to and it turned out that i think persona 3 is kind of too hard to go back to anyway but uh but i think it was good to have played that game and gotten it done before the new one comes out so so there are situations like that which happens not necessarily super frequently but they happen often enough to where it informs my decision of what i want to play um and then there's obviously new releases, which I tend to try and play as soon as possible, as soon as I get them. Um, there are times when something will slip to the side, but usually it slips to the side if it's a new release of the year that I've gotten in a sale. So, for example, I got both Hollow Knight and Cosmic Star Heroine in the Steam sale in the summer. I played Hollow Knight straight away, but I left Cosmic Star Heroine for a while to like wait until I had a window where I thought, hey, this is a good place for me to play this now, and then I played it then. So, it is kind of ebbs and flows, and it depends, again, on like what is a long game that I'm playing that I need a short game. And sometimes like something random will just happen where especially in the first year of the switch where i hadn't played a lot on it for the first few months and i was in a situation where i was away from my desktop i didn't have access to my ps4 so my switch was like my main thing i was playing and something like mighty gun vault burst just pops up on the switch shop and i'm like 
okay, I'll play that now because I want to play something on my Switch and I don't have something else right now to play on Switch aside from Zelda, which I put 100 hours into. Uh, so that happens. And, you know, I didn't intend to buy that at the start of the year or put it into my backlog, but it just kind of happened. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just... It's it's a fine balancing act, I think, of like deciding what has priority and what doesn't. But for the most part, if a game has been sitting there for a very long time, it's hard for me to be like, okay, this is the opportunity to do it, especially in 2017, because there's just so much other stuff happening. I've had Batman Arkham Asylum sitting in my Steam library for God knows how long. It's mm-hmm. a game that I started on PS3 back in 2011 when I got my PS3 for the first time. I played the first like two hours of it really liked it and then just never went back to it and i've just not had a reason to go back to it uh anytime soon so that's something that i'll eventually correct but uh it's it's like i don't know wh- when when is the time for me to play that it just yeah. doesn't doesn't seem like there's an opportunity ever so and i think that as intense as 2017 has been like it, i and i think 2018 is going to be a great year there's some great games lined up i just surely 2018 is not going to be quite as intense surely i mean I it could be not. it could be uh, and, and maybe 2019 might be as well but i think that 2017 is unusual i i certainly played a ton of backlog uh games from like in 2016 and like we said like so many so much stuff has come out this year long games as well and i think that 2018 might be an opportunity where i can go back and maybe play a few more uh older games um yeah so yeah it's always it's always nice to dip back into this question because i think we have touched on it in the past but it's it's a slightly different angle though you know like prioritizing it's definitely a a big part of the show so that's that's the inner workings and definitely check out backloggery.com if you don't use it and if they don't sponsor us they don't sponsor us but they really should i Uh, welcome any sponsorship though so you can (laughs) you can literally you can literally see every single game Emiza and I have lined up in our backlogs if you want to, to stalk us. So Yes, yeah. you can do that. Stalking is great. <laughs> On to our next question, which is from Alan L., who's from Texas. Hi, MBZ and Bally. First, thank you for the years of Nintendo content that you've provided. I really appreciate your viewpoints on Nintendo games. I look forward to hearing TNL's podcast discussion for Game of the Year 2017. I suspect you'll have a hard time deciding which game wins based on your difference of opinion. I'll probably side with Bally. Sorry, MBZ. My question I'd like to hear from you is to discuss this. Nintendo seems hell-bent on incorporating motion control into Switch games. I think Wii-style motion control needs to die a respectful death so we can all move on from that glorious chapter of innovation. Maybe this is harsh, but I fear that shoehorning these waggle motions into games like Super Mario Odyssey and Skyrim pigeonhole Nintendo as the gimmick game creators rather than the innovators they want the game-buying public to view them as. What do you think? Is Waggle here to stay as an ongoing option in controlling or will it find its graveyard the same way 3D with the new 3DS, new 2DS XL? P.S. I will play all of my 3DS games on my new 3DS XL with the 3D slider all the way up. Thanks again for all the great work that you produce. So, Bally, it's the ultimate question. Did Nintendo ever let go of their baby that needs to die <laughs> uh, uh, with it's, the gimmicky motion controls? More I than think that else? when when the Switch was first revealed uh, in that trailer, uh, I think we thought it was dead. Like I think that like I don't think many people would have gambled on those uh, on the Joy Cons having 
you know anything motion related in them and then it wasn't until that that japanese press conference where one two switch was revealed and everyone was like yep nintendo can't resist going back to the back to the motion controls uh and i think that as we've learned more and more about a game like mario odyssey and people had to play at, at events without the grip it was like joy cons with separated hands i think a lot of people were like why are we doing this can we not just play mario with a regular gamepad and it just feels like it is something that they cling on to and it really feels that we have moved on in terms of the audience of the Switch from the Wii era where it might be more appealing and more important to incorporate uh, motion controls into a game in order to make it appeal to a wider audience. I just don't see the Switch appealing to that same market so the need to incorporate motion controls seems pointless but they still seem to want to do it and that's what i don't understand i think there is a benefit to having motion controls on switch for the simple fact that there is the opportunity available to backwards compatible uh you know introduce wii games again yeah um but i mean that's not really a thing that's going to reach to a wide audience and sell more switches necessarily it's not but it's it's something that i think nintendo are concerned with is like having access to their older games still uh and whether they do that via a virtual console system with Wii games included, you know, that's neither here nor there at the moment because they're just uh, being shtum on the whole matter. But there are benefits to the technology that's within the Joy-Cons, I think. You know, I'm a big fan of slight gyro-assisted aiming in Breath of the Wild, and I know you play Splatoon with gyro controls. So there are parts of the motion control puzzle which fit together very well in some of nintendo's games but then you have something like mario odyssey where it is just completely pointless and i know you've had issues where you're trying to get a moon i posted on twitter (laughs) and you're jumping with the frog and it's high and you jump and you're like how do i get that like even jumping with mario out of the frog to get an extra boost seems really hard yeah now, here's the thing if there are lots of like very good mario odyssey players out there who have figured out ways to get all these moons without needing motion controls it is possible you just need to be very good but the idea is that nintendo want you to use the motion control to get this moon and there's no other way to really do it and that sucks because playing in handheld mode it just isn't it doesn't work it's just a pain in the ass like you can't be on the subway throwing your freaking thing around like your entire handheld it's mm. just completely absurd that they expect that and the fact they didn't build in options to circumvent it is pretty silly honestly it's 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 adding absolutely nothing like making that stuff gesture based doesn't achieve the same thing as making splatoon motion controls gyro based because in that uh example you are gaining something you are having something tangible which makes the experience better in this scenario it does nothing that a button couldn't do and i think that's where you have to draw the line is as soon as it becomes something that is more efficient and better achieved with just hitting a button that's when you shouldn't be implementing it into the game in the first place Um, exactly Uh, There's one other argument that I could side with, which is an interesting one, is that Nintendo really streamlined the controls of Mario Odyssey to where it's essentially a three-button game. You have your jump, you have your cap throw, and you have your ground pound. 
and any combination of those three moves in succession gives you an extensive list of verbs that mario can perform whether it be the long jump onto the cap uh, into a dive whether it be a ground pound jump into a wall jump like they all link together in a very simple way where you're only using three buttons and so maybe people could make the argument that if you added more buttons in there it would lose some of that beautiful simplicity that nintendo have designed but why not give them the option in the first place you know there are some p- players who don't need that simplicity and who can get their head around having more than three buttons to contend with um and i know they're designing for an audience that has maybe sometimes a harder time with things like 3d movement and platformers so having three buttons that you only rely on is something that is an admirable thing to do but it doesn't make sense when you could have these other buttons that are sitting there doing the exact same thing as the other two buttons you know like two of the face buttons just do the same thing as the other two face buttons Uh, and it's kind of nonsensical honestly it's it's strange and i think you're absolutely right with stuff like splatoon 2 it's just works really great and it's seamless and you're right that if you can replace it with a button why do it at all uh but you know stuff like zelda that that aiming is really great it's so useful uh do you think if another mario game comes to switch sort of odyssey 2 galaxy 2 style do you think they'll just keep it in uh yeah because they're stubborn that's the (laughs) thing with nintendo more than all is that they're just stubborn about a lot of this stuff and until it proves financially beneficial for them to change their mind about it i'm not sure that they see the imperative to do so uh it it doesn't really yeah it doesn't really when you have the engine built and you have all that stuff set up already if you're doing a sequel you would just leave them in um and i don't know if they want to do the extra legwork to try and you know make it work better it's 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 difficult because yeah honestly like we praise nintendo a lot for that innovation and they do do some great things uh but But they are so stubborn (laughs) yeah but but like some of those innovations are not really innovations they're just things that they throw in there where they want to make games different and i appreciate that they want to make games different but sometimes you make games different at the detriment of the game itself like Mm. a lot of people were very frustrated with star fox zero for that exact reason and i know you really enjoyed that game um and i don't know how much that was to do with the controls but you know uh it was a big part i i did enjoy it yeah uh so i don't know if there are any people out there who really love mario odyssey's motion controls there are probably some people uh but for me honestly it's just not it doesn't make sense um and as long as the switch is around as long as that console is their main thing i don't think they're gonna be able to resist using it in some yeah. way i mean they, the they probably there. had the conversation with bethesda to get them to put the motion controls in the game i doubt bethesda were clawing at nintendo saying oh nintendo we've got to put these motion controls in that's a business decision that was made from the other side i think nintendo like we'll offer you the breath of the wild costume and bethesda like great that sounds and they're like ah, da, da. there's one caveat to us giving you breath of the wild uh-huh. costume you gotta put in the motion control and they were like oh, well i guess it's zelda and it's yeah so let's do it so, <laughs> yeah 
shake of hands and they're feeling guilty uh, and then you get a Skyrim out with and, motion and yet, control. And yet they don't put motion controls into Doom, which is absurd. Like, that's a game which would mm. benefit greatly, especially for a Nintendo audience who have gotten so used to aiming in a shooter like Splatoon with motion. The fact that they wouldn't put motion control in Doom, which is tangibly beneficial to the experience, versus Skyrim, where you're swinging a fucking sword around that actually has no, like, design element that was thought out for that system it just it boggles the mind sometimes the decisions they make on in terms of these different games but that's weird it's nintendo that's partially why we love them so much is because they're dumb idiots and alan i don't think they're going to change anytime soon so i think you're going to be you're going to be waggling for some years to come i think yeah is is the answer but that is all we have time for this segment for your listener emails and as i said at the top of the segment please send in your emails with your game of the year suggestions your your top picks your nominations we want them everything that came out this year and just games that you have been playing this year all platforms we want them all uh, because of course the next two shows we are going to be talking about your games of the year and our games of the year i should say uh, for the show so on to the third segment we will be talking about the game awards uh, so don't go anywhere Alright everyone, welcome back to the third and final part of the show. Uh, This week we're going to be discussing the Video Game Awards, called the Game Awards, I guess, TGAs. Now, they used to be the VGAs, which was a dark, terrible era in which television executives thought they knew best for the video game industry. Um, And they would invite celebrities and it was just an awful train wreck of a mess. I never really watched those back in the day. I don't know if you ever saw any of the VGXs. What channel were they on? They weren't on a British channel ever. I think they were on G4 in the US, right. um, which was their big like video games-based thing there. But they never really... I think they might have been streamed in the later parts. I think the, the year when Reggie was wearing the Metroid pin when they unveiled Cranky Kong was the only time I watched it, and that was the year before it turned into oh. the Game Awards. I thought that was the first year of the Game Awards. No, that was the year before. That was the, okay. the, that was the last VGX, as it was known uh, okay. back in the day. Um, that was where they actually unveiled No Man's Sky for the first time, uh, as it would become infamous thereafter. Uh, but uh, yeah, lots of interesting things happen around the Game Awards. Um, I think generally they've gotten better over the years. It's it's improved. Uh, last year I wasn't as hot on it. I, I didn't think it was as good a show. Uh, but uh, Keeley is talking up a big game for this year. He says that there are some big reveals coming, uh, some exciting stuff. So looking forward to it and hopefully there'll be some good stuff but this segment Bally is to go through the nominations and basically choose for each category what we would like to win personally and what we think is going to win uh two very different choices of course because our personal taste is probably 
different to uh, a lot of the the judges uh, who are voting. And this, uh, all these awards, I think ten percent of them are fan voted. Ninety uh, percent of the uh, share of the decision goes on to uh, a group of judges, which is different gaming outlets from IGN to Polygon to Easy Allies to Giant Bomb to Kind of Funny. So a good broad selection. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're just gonna roll on through these starting from the bottom we're basically going upwards so we built up the game of the year because it seems a bit weird to just start there uh, <laughs> and kind of burst it straight away uh, so we'll start with best esports game we're skipping a, a few categories uh, best esports game the nominees are counter-strike dota 2 league of legends overwatch and rocket league bali what do you make of this list it's cool yeah i, I mean i've just been talking about rocket league and i love it and i haven't played any of the other games and i from what i've seen and like the whole community and the idea behind the dota 2 and stuff like league of legends really doesn't appeal to me mm-hmm. uh i'm surprised Counter- i didn't even know counter-strike was really still a thing so that's interesting dude counter-strike global offensive has been enormous it's still enormous uh that game is around i remember we used to play some counter-strike when we were at school like on laptops like oh, the local the area time. network um i was awful at it all the time i never did well but yeah, Counter Strike's still huge, man. It's crazy. I mean, obviously, I'd like Rocket League to win. What yeah. I th- what I think will win, um, I don't know. That isn't Dota Two and League of Legends now? Is why why twenty seventeen in particular? I would imagine it would be one of the other, uh, either Counter Strike or Overwatch. Well, because esports games are just games that never end. That's the thing with them, right? Like they yeah, are that evergreen. Makes me think what's the point in this award if they, if they just keep going? Like yeah. I don't know. It feels strange, but... It, it is yeah. a little weird. I guess it's dependent on, like, which one was most popular in the year. Like, what's the best sport of the year? It's like, well, sport always goes on, so why would yeah. there be specifically a good sport? You're right. Yeah, it kind of is like, hey, is cricket better than football <laughs> sort of thing? It's a little weird. Particularly this year, cricket was better than football. Yeah. Less, I don't know. I mean, I mean, to some degree, that makes sense in terms of, like, if you're coming from the British perspective, like, Maybe. which which team was doing better. But this is more of a global vote. So, again, it is slightly... Strange. i'll predict dota 2 why not okay well yeah that's that's kind of my read on this is i think the types of people who watch the game awards are the types of people who are voting for this kind of thing and to me the type of person who is voting for this kind of thing is more the kind of person who plays overwatch than they are someone who plays dota or league of legends um just because i think that sort of game is more mm. in the sphere of of a fan who follows this stuff uh so i would both like overwatch to win and i also think overwatch is going to win um so so that's my prediction there uh moving on we have the trending game of the year uh in which we have the nominees are andrea renee from what's good games uh clint lexa half coordinated guy beam dr disrespect mike grzysk who's i can't say that name uh shroud uh and steven spoon uh from able gamers uh, I know you don't have a huge knowledge of who these most of these people are. Yeah, I really don't know these people. I know of Andrea Renee, and, and yes, she's she's okay. I don't think she's. We've known of Andrea Renee really. for a long time because she's on yeah. a Weekend Confirmed exactly. back in the day. And she's fine. Like I don't think she's incredibly. Uh, I don't know. She's not that interesting. <laughs> so I don't know. If she's wow, savage burn. savage burn, savage. I don't mean to be savage. Um, but I'm sure, surely, it will be one of the other one of the other people. Let me let you in on a secret, listener. 
uh, listeners, should I say, or maybe listener, because most people just are the only person listening to this on their own. Um, Andrea Renee sometimes doesn't like Nintendo stuff, and so Bali is just very mad about that. Basically, it's what <laughs> yeah, it's what I, it boils down to. You're, you're allowed to not like Nintendo, but it has to be for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, any any choices here that you think I, or, or that you I have no choose? idea. I'll pass. Okay, fa- fair enough. Uh, I I think Andrea is going to win for the simple fact that uh, she does what? Uh, or oh, sorry, kind of funny games daily uh, and, and the Nintendo um, uh, World Championships. That's the one she uh, she hosted. That I, I don't think that's going to get her to win. The reason I think she's going to win is because you have the kind of funny audience who are very dedicated, and they're the people who took greg miller to a win uh when he was up against pewdiepie and all these other giants uh, and that's right. the, that's the reason why i made the comment about overwatch is because sure you have people like dr disrespect on this list who is an enormous streamer enormously popular battleground streamer if he but was to mobilize his awards. audience and say vote for me he would win without even having to breathe right but the thing is most of these people don't like live in this sphere they don't live in the kind of um game awards sphere which is all about playing a wide variety of games and knowing the industry and knowing who giant bomb is versus easy allies versus ign right like those people are the kind of people who play their one game on twitch and they don't really know what's going on in the industry so despite the fact that dr disrespect has a massive audience if he doesn't mention this to people and he doesn't say hey i'm nominated vote for me then he does he's not going to win because most people don't follow him uh, on this side of the industry um so that's why i think andrew is going to win um i, I would kind of like steven spoon to win honestly because able gamers is a very cool charity it's a very um uh well-focused one that is all about like making uh, helping disabled players uh you know play video games with controllers that are made specially for them and that stuff so i think that would be a nice kind of in in the natural oh, sorry in the um what the fuck am i saying uh in uh, in the climate of 2017, it would be nice to have uh, something positive uh, like that win. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, moving on to the most anticipated game, which is basically a hype award for who has the best marketing, which I think is very stupid, but regardless, uh, we have God of War. Zelda won last year. Marvel Spider-Man. Yes, it did. Uh, Monster Hunter World, Red Dead Redemption 2, and The Last of Us Part 2. It's got to be Marvel Spider-Man. That game is just hot. That's well, what I'm, you're looking forward I'm to. I'm really most. looking forward to that, like seeing what people think about it. Uh, I think, I feel like the Red Dead Redemption 2 trailer, people liked it, but I think yeah. maybe the hype for that was a bit overblown versus sure. how people felt after the trailer. Um, I've not actually seen the Last of Us Part 2 trailer yet, but I know that a lot of people were quite keen on that. Monster Hunter World, probably not. And then God of War, I mean, aren't we past the peak of that hype, I guess? I don't know. Well, it's... God of War is reinventing itself, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of differences going on I mean, there. I mean, we've known about that game for a lot. It feels like we've known that. Right. I guess we have known about Spider-Man a long time, but I think we've seen a lot more of Spider-Man more recently, whereas God of yeah. War, we've saw quite a lot, quite a while ago. So maybe if it's most anticipated, it's maybe not as anticipated as it once was. Maybe, but it's also one of those games that is probably coming out sooner rather than later, whereas I think Spider-Man's probably a little bit on the later end. Okay. Um, uh, I think that to win here will probably be Last of Us, honestly. Um, I There's something about that fan base and about the... Uh, this is, you know, a, a voted awards, and I think there's a very dedicated kind of portion of the audience that are going to go for that game. Um, I think for me... 
it's a toss-up between Red Dead and Spider-Man, honestly. Uh, I, I like the the Spider-Man um, world, and I like the, you know, when we played Spider-Man 2 on GameCube, that was always a great fun time. Um, but Red Dead Redemption is the only Rockstar game I've actually beaten and enjoyed enough of the story to go through and finish. Like, the usual um, idea with me with Rockstar games is I just piss around with GTA and never really do anything because I'm never interested in the story. Mm. Um, uh, and, and Red Dead is... is very very good with that stuff it's it's an excellent game and i'm interested to see what they do so so yeah uh so let's move on to categories that maybe uh interest us a little more uh starting with best debut indie game a hot category this is a hot list um so this i believe are games that are all uh the first game from a studio uh, and they are indie games of course so we have cuphead uh golf story hollow knight mr shifty and slime rancher um those first three are incredibly good games all three of them uh how do you feel about this one belly well i obviously love golf story i've not played the others i've heard great things from you about both hollow knight and cuphead i i know that hollow knight is coming to switch i'm definitely going to play that game uh you never know cuphead might eventually come to switch that would be cool microsoft didn't publish it so it's open to possibility there is hope there is hope um slime rancher i saw like a quick look earlier in the in the year it just didn't look like it it was weird it was interesting yeah it was sort of like first person harvest moon right yeah style game it's a bit strange mr shifty i've completely forgotten like what that is and yeah well it was a big kind of indie game at the start of the switch's kind of launch cycle uh was it's kind of like a hotline miami game but you can like um warp around the place kind of like nightcrawler um okay. so like top down kind of shooting game uh i don't think mr shifty has a shout i mean what do you think is going to win i would like country? golf story to win i know it's not going to win just because i think there's a lot there's a lot more hype maybe behind games like hollow knight and cuphead golf story is much more of a surprise perhaps than those but if you're talking about best debut indie game it has to be cuphead surely yeah uh cuphead's gonna win this no doubt in my mind um I really struggle to choose, actually, between Hollow Knight and Cuphead. I think both Mm. are phenomenal games. I actually think I would like Hollow Knight to win, if only for the fact that it's one of those games that really no one talked about this year, and yet it did pretty well for itself. I think it sold over 500,000 copies on Steam. Um, So, like, word of mouth worked incredibly effectively for that game when most of the industry wasn't really covering it that much, uh, surprisingly so. And I've been listening to some podcasts, like End of the Year podcasts now, and it seems like a lot of people are trying to catch up on Hollow Knight at this point in time because they've heard stuff about it, yeah. uh, and it's finally getting to them. So so it would be nice, but I think uh, Cuphead is a lock. And fair enough, because Cuphead's fucking amazing. Um, next up, best multiplayer. Uh, Call of Duty World War Two, Destiny 2, Fortnite, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Weird. Okay. Uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and Splatoon 2. I think, I mean, I I like Splatoon too, but I I mean I've heard incredible things about Player Unknown Battlegrounds. I think obviously there's controversy controversy in one sense, and it's in another few awards, uh, PUBG, but is about that it's a it's a beta and that it's not a, it's arguably not a full game. Should it be nominated? I I might even side with like it shouldn't be nominated, but if it is here, I think it's almost definitely going to win just because of the amount of people are talking about this game and and. And how different it is from previous, you know, it's unique. It's it's interesting. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I like I like Splatoon too, but I I almost don't, I almost wouldn't want to see it win just because, like we've talked about on the show, how it doesn't change up enough, uh, perhaps from the first game. It's still a very good game, but like if you're talking about best multiplayer game of 2017, it's surely got to be PUBG. 
Yeah, uh, the, the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe thing I just need to talk about for a second because what the fuck? Why are you putting a remastered game in an award show like this? Yeah, uh, that seems strange to me. You know, Some would say Splatoon 2 is a remastered game. Well, mm-hmm, right. <laughs> well in all that name. Uh, right. Well, honestly, like they just dropped a massive update for Splatoon 2 that adds mm. a bunch of new stuff. And they've also announced there's going to be a new ranked mode, which I'm very excited about. Uh, so Splatoon yeah, 2 continues nice. to break out into its own thing, I think. Uh, and I, I pretty much side with you, I think, where I would I would choose Splatoon 2 myself, but uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is undoubtedly going to win. Uh, next be up, Destiny. Best Sports... Uh, God damn it, Destiny. <laughs> you know what? A lot of the games industry press were very wrapped up in Destiny, so if that <sighs> wins, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <sighs> but anyway, uh, moving on to Best Sports slash Racing Game. Uh, FIFA, Forza, Motorsport 7, Gran Turismo Sport, NBA 2K18, Pro Evolution Soccer 2018, and Project Cars 2. This is my least favorite category. I, I think. have no idea. I I've never played any of these games really. I like a good driving game. Why don't we go for Forza? I'd like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, Forza. I know Jeff Gersman wasn't super hot on it. It's like the top arcade. It's Xbox exclusive, right? It's sort of like the number one arcade style. Well, for, the Forza Seven is not arcadey at all. It's the Hori- oh, really? it's Forza Horizon series, which is the arcadey okay. version. This is the main sports series, which is just like Gran Turismo. It's like a much more oh right, okay, main yeah. line racing. It's game. It's hardcore that stuff. I don't yeah, know it's, yeah. I've never been into that stuff. It's tough to get into. Uh, I had a, a racing wheel on PS One with Gran Turismo Two. Uh, and I just couldn't. I never got my head around that game. Yeah, I remember watching you struggle. It, yeah, it was real bad. I'm I'm really bad at that stuff. Uh, I think is it, this is really difficult because I think there's been controversy around Forza and Gran Turismo, and it's to do with like I mean, unlocking cars and prices yeah. and stuff, right? Uh, and then like NBA obviously is involved in the never-ending loot box scandal of 2017, so that has no fucking chance in hell. Um, I I'm just gonna go Project Cars too because it seems like the kind of like out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, but the kind of more indie darling uh, thing here. So I'm gonna go for that for both, honestly, because I think that might end up doing quite well. Sure. Um, best strategy game, very weird category because lots of mixing of strange Rare things in is here. Fire Emblem. Yeah, that's the th- the one thing I really don't like is that they never nominate any 3DS games outside of the one category for 3DS yeah. games, and it kind of drives me insane. It's like honestly. it's like and, he, and the best baby game of the year. Yeah, like, basically, it's like, it's like, like fuck off, thing. mate. Like I know people like Halo Wars two, but Shadows of Valentia is better than Halo Wars two in my book. Uh, anyway, uh, that's that's a stupid thing to say because I've not played Halo Wars too. So sorry, being being a bit of a, a fanboy here, I can't can't help myself. Um, I usually leave that to Bally, but you know it comes out every now and just again. Just want a bit of representation. Uh, that's <laughs> sure a little bit. Um, so we've got Halo Wars two, Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Total War, Warhammer, Tooth and Tail, and XCOM two: War of the Chosen, which is an expansion, so it's kind of cheating, but whatever. Weird. Uh, how do you feel about this category, Bally? I know very little about most of these games, but Marion Rabbids look really cool, so... Yeah. yeah hey, guess what? We're a Nintendo podcast. Did you think we were yeah. going to vote for Mario Plus Rabbids? Yeah. Guess what? You're right. I also think Mario Plus Rabbids will just win because it has a broader appeal, and I think most of the it people who ple- aren't into strategy yeah. games but who are voting on these awards are going to vote for it because they probably took a chance on it. Um, and it and came out at a time else. when, like, it was sort of like the big game of the month for the Switch at that point in time, so I feel like yes. a lot of people definitely played it. And- right, it was in a prime position. Yeah, and so it went down sense. really well, so it yeah. probably will win. Next up, the Nintendo category, otherwise known as Best Family Game. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, Sonic Mania, Splatoon 2, and Super Mario Odyssey. Here's a problem. Like, 
in the past, it feels like they have tried to share around awards. Um, yeah. And it's hard to share around awards, though, because this is voted by a bunch of different outlets. And unless all of them have the viewpoint of sharing around awards, then I don't know that it necessarily happens. But I mean, they will reach that conclusion based on the discussion, not like a, a blind ballot, surely. Right, so, like, right. There is a chance that they could share around the awards. And like, maybe you should, we, we could point out like, Games like Cuphead, for example, are nominated five times. Uh, Destiny 2 Horizon, Zelda, Mario are all nominated six times. So there's a huge chance that they could pick up multiple awards. So when you're sort of listed in Best Family Game, something like Super Mario Odyssey, which is in contention for loads of other awards, um, I feel like maybe this isn't its time to shine in that a game like something like Sonic Mania, it might be the best category for that game, for example. Yeah, but when you're saying, like, discussing around, do you mean between the different outlets? Because that doesn't happen. Like, this is, the different outlets on their own will independently choose and then put their votes into a ballot, basically. Oh, you think that's it's it just votes into a ballot? You don't that's think that's how it works. It's, it's like Giant okay. Bomb chooses the winner, they'll send in their ballot for the winner. Easy Allies chooses their winner, they'll send in their ballot. That's how it works, Bally. Okay. Um, so, um, if that's the case, then I guess a lot of games are going to pick up a ton of rewards. Yeah, maybe um i i think odyssey will just win it because it's the best game uh, out of those five games uh and it's it's weird because like you're trying to think okay well it's best family game so maybe mario kart has a shot but also like it seems kind of lame to reward mario kart because it's just a fucking remaster of a wii u game yeah, don't yeah why are re-releases getting in the, in here anyway i don't know somehow nintendo defy they, they, they must be giving keely a good trailer or something because something's up um in any case uh next up is best fighting game which can go over quickly arms and justice 2 uh Marvelous capcom nidhogg 2 and tekken 7 i i i'm really intrigued by nidhogg 2 i'd love that to come to switch it's not oh announced yeah yet, is it uh, and that's that seems like the outlier in this this uh discussion because it's not strictly a fighting game you know it's got a weird sure. twist to it yeah um so yeah, um, I, I think I'd choose that one as well. Yeah, I mean, Arms didn't strike well with many people, so I, I can't yeah. see that get winning. Um, and no. I, and Ned Dog does something interesting; it's cool. I think Injustice too, like it's mainly cool for like what it does to that universe, rather than right. like, how good of a fighting game it is from mm-hmm. everything I've read and seen. So I'd go Ned Dog too, both what I want and I think might win. It could be a dark horse here. Uh, I think it's between Injustice 2 and Tekken 7, honestly. I think both those games have people had... People did like Injustice, I guess. Yeah, a, a lot of people like Tekken 7, like, surprisingly so. It sold, it sold very well, and people were very positive about it in reviews. So I, I think that might be the one that takes it. Uh, next up, we have Best Role-Playing Game. Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, Final Fantasy 15, Nier Automata, Persona 5, and South Park, The Fractured Butthole. I have very little opinion on these games. You say a lot of great stuff about Persona 5. If I was going to try a game in this list, it would definitely be Persona, followed mm-hmm. by probably Final Fantasy 15. Obviously, Nier is like this huge game that came out this year that I know so little about, so I really yep. should uh, brush up on that. But I think Persona could win this. Yeah, it's possible. I, I wouldn't count out the Dark Horse of Nier, though. I think Nier is definitely... It's a thing that some people are so passionate about, in a sense, that is kind of crazy. So I think that that is the one that is the Dark Horse, uh, but I think Persona 5 is probably the likely winner. And I think, unfortunately, Divinity Original Sin 2 has just been overlooked. That game has scored ridiculously well, with a lot of people calling it one of the best like computer role-playing games ever made. Uh, so it's kind of tragic that it was released in a year where it's surrounded by so much competition, because it's just been left to the side, uh, unfortunately. 
Um, next, we have Best Action Adventure, which is Assassin's Creed Origins, Horizon Zero Dawn, Super Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, and Uncharted The Lost Legacy. This is a weird category, I think, because yeah. putting Mario Odyssey in Best Action Adventure doesn't sound I mean, right. Game definitions generally are just horrible. And yeah, we're having this conversation before it. about exactly. like genres being kind of outdated at this point. And the exactly. fact that Game Awards so just still clings does, to them is slightly Does slightly Mario weird. have action in it? Does it have adventure in it? To some degree. But sure. So does every single other game almost on this list. Right, yeah. Like on all these lists, I should say. So, I don't know. Like, are we talking about what's the best at action and adventure or what's the best game in the category yeah you know that's a tough i don't know it's got to be zelda i think zelda's going to win a host of awards i think it's the best game on this list i think i want it to win and i think it will win yep let's just tick the zelda box and move on uh best action game cuphead destiny 2 neo prey and wolfenstein 2 the new call um my theory of like sharing awards around it'd be nice if wolfenstein picked this one up but i think yeah probably be um cuphead yeah uh i think yeah this, this is a tough one for sure that's definitely i think the idea that wolfenstein came out quite recently also lends to its benefit like that just tends to happen uh because it's fresher in people's minds um but again that a lot of people have been kind of complaining about the action part of wolfenstein you know like people don't necessarily like the shooting that much in that game so that's where i think it may uh, be held down uh i would say cuphead for me personally and also i think cuphead has a good shot of winning uh but we will see next up is the best vr slash ar game uh, i don't know if there are any of these games are actually ar games so i don't know why they've included that in the name of the award uh but mm. there's farpoint lone echo resident evil 7 star trek bridge crew and super hot vr uh i know very little about almost all these games uh i've heard a lot about star trek bridge crew for sure uh I think that sounds like an incredible VR experience that I really want to try at some point. Uh, we need to get to a convention, and we said it's as simple as that. Let's let's or do just it buy VR, VR headsets. <laughs> Sorry, or just buy VR headsets, but that requires a lot of money. Come down in price, and, I don't know. Hey, if our Patreon takes off, then maybe. Oh, who <laughs> maybe. Knows? Who knows? Uh, um, I think that Resident Evil Seven is going to win this just because it's the most popular AAA big game um i would like super hot vr to win because everything i've heard about that game and the things i've seen holy shit that looks fucking cool like i really want you to play super hot vr bally because it seems like something that would like definitely in a similar vein to what we did when we were at gamescom it seems like mm. because it's a like standstill sort of experience where yeah. you're like dodging and moving and stuff i think it would work really well and i i want to try it uh myself yeah so. definitely uh, next up is the uh, aforementioned best handheld game category, uh, in which every 3DS game ever released in 2017 is a, is a part of it. Uh, we have Ever Oasis, Fire Emblem Echo, Shadows of Valentia, Metroid Samus Returns, Monster Hunter Stories, and Poochie and Yoshi's Woolly World. I'll Again, another re-release. What's up with this shit? Nintendo yeah, getting I'll away with murder. I will be shocked if any of these outlets have played Poochie and Yoshi's Woolly World. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. So I think it has to be Samus Returns. I know Fire Emblem is a very, very good... That's a very good Fire Emblem from everything It's an excellent said. game, yes. Definitely. But I think that long wait for 2D Metroid and it finally came and it was actually a really good game. So I think it just... I want it to win. I think it will win. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, I love Echoes. I think it's a really great Fire Emblem game, uh, but I think I like Samus Returns more. I like Metroid more when it comes to 2D Metroid, uh, so that's what I am going to vote for and think will win. Next up is Best Mobile Game, which thankfully all the garbage is relegated to its own uh, kind of corner. Uh, we have Fire Emblem Heroes, Hidden Folks, Monument Valley 2, Old Man's Journey, and Super Mario Run. Certainly Nintendo are getting their games in all these categories this uh, Yeah, year. somehow, just squeezing yeah. in there i barely played any of these games i ta- dabbled with mario run and i dabbled with fire emblem heroes and i did not really enjoy either of them um i i don't even know what mobile gamers are enjoying the most out of these ones and what what is i mean i know what good. they're spending the most money on because <laughs> fucking gacha systems um mm. i i would like monument valley 2 to win probably just because it's a game on mobile that is a real video game and not some bullshit you know mm-hmm. uh and i've not played it but i played the first one and the first one's a great game so i would like to give it to that and i hope it wins as well um next up we have best independent game which is uh, interesting uh some of these nominations uh cuphead hellblade night in the woods pyre and what remains of edith finch uh if we're doing the share around thing which i think we've agreed they're not going to do it right it maybe could be pyre because i've heard a lot of great things yeah about that but it's got to be cuphead again i guess yeah i think hellblade has an outside shot honestly uh, a lot of people talking that one up quite a bit but i think it might get its due in different categories so i, I think i'll i'll say cuphead again for there uh, best ongoing game so this is kind of similar to the category. esports thing it's not a weird category at all about if you think about the state of the industry right now uh like games as a service is real and it is here to stay and people are playing these games constantly you know like as someone who didn't even start playing overwatch until this year and yet i've put 100 hours into overwatch this year that's an on- ongoing game like we were saying at the start it's like what's the best sport of the year kind of feeling to this category it's just uh, a little a little strange. bit but the thing with this is like there's going to be more that come and go from this category i think because eventually some of these okay. won't last that long you know we don't know if warframe will be around in three years time mm. um, so uh, anyway the nominees destiny 2 grand theft auto online overwatch player unknowns battlegrounds rainbow six siege and warframe i guess it could be PUBG again yeah, uh, I would want Overwatch to win because I think they've done... As someone who is new to that game, it is constantly updated all the time and I didn't realise just how much work they put into that game. It's it's awesome, it's amazing, uh, I want it to win, but PUBG is going to win, sadly. Uh, <laughs> or maybe not sadly because people like PUBG. Uh, next up, Games for Impact, Bury Me My Love, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, Life is Strange Before the Storm, Night in the Woods... Please knock on my door and what remains of Edith Finch. Pass. All right. Uh, I, I, uh, it's funny because I think people are like talking about, hey, this is the category. I think Alex Navarro on the Beastcast Day was like, oh, here are the indie games with progressive politics. Let's put them into this category, basically, <laughs> is what it is. Uh, uh, and uh, that's very poignant uh, a thought, uh, I, I, I believe. I think Night in the Woods maybe has a shot in this category, but I, I feel like Hellblade, this is where it gets its due because a lot of people are talking about how it deals with mental health and the fact that like the first credit in that game is the mental health expert they brought, brought on board so that's something that i think is very important uh, and i think is very uh, interesting and they they did a good job with it so next up is best performance uh ashley birch uh, as aloy in horizons and zero dawn brian bloom as bj blaskowicz in uh, wolfenstein 2 claudia black as chloe frazier in uncharted lost legacy laura bailey as nadine ross in uncharted lost legacy and melina jurgens as senua in hellblade senua's sacrifice 
I've heard very good things about Wolfenstein 2. And yeah. uh, sort of the, that sort of the characters in that game and stuff. Right, like and this, the fact so. they took this guy, this meathead who shouldn't really be a good character in a shooter, no less, and made him a good character. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's one that's possible. I think Aloy will probably take this. Ashley Birch is Aloy, just because it's a new IP and it's a new character and it was popular. Um, mm. I've heard very good things about uh, Melina Jurgens uh, in Hellblade. Uh, for me, I would pick Claudia Black as Chloe in Uncharted. I think she did a fantastic job in that game, uh, and I really enjoyed that game. And I thought it was just just fantastic performances from both Laura Bailey and Claudia Black. But I'll give it to Chloe. Uh, so uh, so that's where I lie. Next up is best audio design. Uh, we have Destiny Two, Hellblade, Resident Evil Seven. Super Mario Odyssey and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Fun fact, Breath of the Wild won Best Audio at the Golden Joysticks Awards recently, which I thought was a little weird. Um, I like Breath of the Wild a lot. I don't know that I pick audio as its strong suit here. I don't know how you feel, Valley. I think that in terms of like little little sounds you hear on on the environment around you, it is quite good. But I think yeah, it's subtle. It's subtle, but I think a game like something like mario odyssey might even do something like that better where you were talking about running through um it's sort of like a sheltered section and you could hear your footsteps being echoed off the ceiling and stuff and the walls so right i I was um i was like long jumping through a cave and you could hear the audio difference between the echo of his voice when he like long jumps uh from outside and inside it was very cool like little video i took while i was playing Mm. um i think hellblade has a good shot here as well because a lot of that game is voices inside your head and the way they use like spatial audio uh is is supposedly very good the other one i think has a shot is resident evil just because the idea of a horror and like vr and kind of the space around you audio is very important for that kind of thing um so i think those two have probably the best shot out of this category um yeah i don't know what i would choose i'd probably i'd probably choose mario i'd say actually um next up best score slash music something that i am i have a, a strong opinion about uh we have cuphead destiny 2 near automata persona 5 super mario odyssey and legend of zelda breath of the wild i know, I know you're going to say persona 5 i for sure I, don't, I think as scores super mario odyssey and breath of the wild aren't they're good they're not incredible i don't think they no i don't think they stand out in my mind as sort of the best aspects of those games as great games as they are so you know could be i i might like persona 5 to it i mean cuphead that audio sorry not audio score is also incredible from everything i've seen so yeah maybe those two i think it's between cuphead and persona um Mm. i think persona wins this because there are things in the months since persona 5 that i've kind of waxed and waned on and like there are some aspects i don't like as much um but the one thing out of everything that has stuck with me is that soundtrack the music is astonishingly good i am such a huge fan of it it's my favorite soundtrack since the original xenoblade which shows you how much praise uh, it gets from me um i i hope that wins god damn it it's uh, it's so good i love it uh best art direction is up next cuphead destiny 2 horizon zero dawn persona 5 and legend of zelda breath of the wild if this doesn't go to cuphead there's something wrong with this entire thing we're going through like it's basically best art direction presented by cuphead the award (laughs) this is more if if yeah if any if any other game wins an award and they deserve it fine but this game like deserves this award more than anything else on this entire list we've said so far i think 
Yeah, 100%. I, I think the only thing that challenges it is Persona 5, just because of its style and the UI and, and all that stuff. Is it, it looks really great, but I agree, it's Cuphead. I, I want it to be Cuphead, it will be Cuphead. <laughs> so, uh, next up, best narrative. Hellblade, Horizon, Near, What Remains of Edith Finch, and Wolfenstein 2. Uh, now, I will give you my uh, thoughts, because Bally has none. I'll give uh, it hopefully <laughs> Wolfenstein, because that sounds... That yeah, story sounds so cool, and I really want to play it when it comes out on Switch. Yeah, that's crazy. Like we're talking about a lot of these games, I'm like, oh, Bally will never play any of these games. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second, he will play Wolfenstein because that's coming to a Nintendo console. Holy shit! Um, uh, yeah, I think Wolfenstein will win. I think it probably deserves to win. The only games narratives that I know of this list is Horizon, and honestly, I just wasn't very impressed by it. A lot of people were like, oh god, the story's so good in Horizon. I'm like. Eh. It's fine. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, maybe. You've got a very high threshold for what a good story in a video game is. MBZ. I don't know. I just I just think I have a certain... Uh, there, there's something Taste. about Horizon which is more sci-fi inflected than it is fantasy, despite the fact that mm. it feels like a fantasy world you're running around with. I think the thing that we discuss a lot of the time is that despite the fact that we like things like star wars the fantasy elements of star wars is why i like star wars like all these people go on about oh the ships and the battles i'm like i really don't care about that stuff like i care about the mysticism and the jedi and the lightsabers yeah i care about the fantasy elements uh so that's probably where i come down on it um next up is best game direction uh which is horizon zero dawn guerrilla games resident evil 7 capcom super mario odyssey nintendo legend of zelda breath of the wild nintendo and wolfenstein 2 machine games what would your definition of game direction be uh, the, i don't know i i think it's a it's a weird category because it's so last couple of years it's been best studio right yeah. so they're awarding but the, the stupid thing about that is that best studio with the just the five studios who also were nominated for game of the year exactly. sure, whereas yeah, this time it's slightly different where you have resident evil which isn't nominated for game of the year and you have wolfenstein which isn't nominated for game of the year thrown in here um which i it's it's i don't really know what it means i think it's kind of just like an excuse to get other games in game of the year list is it it like almost what takes a genre and takes a new direction maybe yeah maybe kind of like a boldness and in that case it has to be zelda yeah like i absolutely the breath of the wild is one of the most innovative games in years it is astonishing how it basically reinvented the open world genre after it'd been tired for so long uh and for that reason i see no other winner in this category uh despite the fact that all these games are great you know it's just super mario odyssey Odyssey if mario odyssey came out in any other year it would have walked game of the year but like you come out next to a generation defining masterpiece it's kind of hard to compete like i think Um, odyssey does a lot of great things for reinventing the 3d platformer sure taking it forward a step and that's great right. but it doesn't completely turn it on its head but at the end of the day it's kind of still just a mario game as good as it is it's still just a mario game it is still more by by the numbers is a very harsh it's very yeah because it does uh, do a lot of new things it, but it evolves the formula but it doesn't completely turn the formula on its head in the same way breath of the wild does right right um and so, yeah, then we get to Game of the Year. The five nominees are Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Super Mario Odyssey, and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's got to be Zelda, but I guess Dark Horse is PUBG. It is. It is a very Dark Horse. Um, there are definitely people who are going to vote for PUBG for Game of the Year. Uh, and I know you wanted to have the discussion about whether it belongs here or not, but I honestly 
think that we should just move past this era of uh, you know whether we should consider something early access worthy or not because yes obviously it's this game that's still like kind of being worked on but also most games are still kind of being worked on to some degree splatoon is in that way because it's still having things added to it you know like is a game ever really done these days like even breath right. of the wild has dlc coming to it and it had that weird xenoblade quest it's like best ongoing game as you were saying earlier it's like, yeah what? Like, every what, game is an is ongoing that? game at this yeah. point. That's kind of just the way the industry has moved. And so exactly. trying to pigeonhole PUBG is like, oh, well, it's not officially out yet. Like, on December whenever, when it comes out, will it have materially changed from what it is right now? Not really. It's kind of the same game. The only difference is they put a 1.0 label on it. Um, yeah, it's just, so- it's just the sense, it's this idea that it might finally be released as a more complete package and then once that happens should it be allowed to be in the game of the year category again no that's that's where i come down harsh it's like it should only be nominated once it has one shot like this is its time to shine exactly right and honestly this year is going to be its biggest year i think like it will probably continue to be very popular but i don't think it's going to be discussed in the zeitgeist like it was this year because it came out this year basically and ultimately if it's a game that you are putting money down for there's no reason for it not to be part of the conversation yeah um and it is going to be part of the conversation but my buck stops at i just don't think it's good enough to beat these other games in this category i've played every game in this category aside from player and battlegrounds uh so sure i've got bias here the fact that i haven't actually played it but i've played fortnite and i i feel like i get the idea well enough i know what that game is about and what the general premise behind it is um and these other four games are just incredibly polished well-designed games uh that came out and are amazing um and so i i would really prefer if it didn't win but hey it's it doesn't need to win because it sold more it sold more copies than probably all four of those other games combined uh, it's it's juggernaut fanboy speaking here but two nintendo games in the game of the year category in any year is just staggering and i can't remember the last time that has ever happened i don't think it has honestly like if you think about when was the last time nintendo had two enormously popular like critically acclaimed games and i think back to the n64 era with mario 64 and ocarina of time mm. in terms of the one two mario zelda punch um and they didn't come out in the same year so in terms of like nintendo games that won lots of game of the year awards maybe something like the galaxy games i, I don't yeah galaxy don't i think know. was the last time nintendo were really in in serious consideration for game of the year awards um and since then yeah it's it's definitely been this last decade has been rough i think for nintendo and they're finally coming out of it um but I'm, i struggle to think of other games since then that have had that like kind of wide-reaching impact and critical acclaim mm. um, but we said like backs up against the wall nintendo is the best kind of nintendo and y- yep. this is maybe the result of that yeah the wii u era made them get good again and as we always say never count nintendo out and well <laughs> you shouldn't because they're back i guess uh and uh yeah i again i think zelda wins this i think it should win it i think it's one of the best games ever made uh and like months on from that game i think back on it incredibly fondly and i want to play more of it and that dlc is happening soon i hope hopefully there's a trailer stealth for drop. it during the game awards themselves stealth drop after the game awards oh boy that would be it. very exciting that would be very exciting 
Uh, in any case, that is going to wrap things up for our kind of discussion on the Game Awards. Um, do you think there's going to be some big reveals this year, Bali? I, I, I don't know if you're going to be staying up to watch it or not. Um, um, well, that, that's been unsuccessful in the past when I've it tried. Has, uh, I remember when you fell uh, asleep. Oh, that was great. Um, if there is a big reveal, I think it is just potentially something like an announcement of a stealth drop of the Zelda DLC. And yeah, you don't think any Nintendo's going to give them like a crazy Metro Prime Four trailer or something? You're not not going to be that caliber. Oh, I mean, that's the there's always there is always a chance. Right. Um, I'm not feeling it. I'm feeling like if they had yeah. anything in those echelons they'd save it for e3 but or a direct what if they reveal retro studios game huh how about that no <laughs> no God, chance yeah. of that happening more, more donkey kong let's do it yeah yeah look i i will be the only person who's not complaining they're doing a third donkey kong game probably uh yeah i i think if that happens that's that's fine i'd be a- I've, I've really turned around on that honestly because like at the time like i'd played some returns i wasn't like super i was like oh god another donkey Kong game i was the thing is i'm not a metro prime fan so like i wasn't someone who was like clamoring for them to do that right um, i would really love retro to just do something new for god's sake and i think that's probably what they're doing if they do um, a prime game or i mean they're not working on four are they so like no if uh, they're not. doing donkey kong or something new either way it's great we just want yeah. to see uh, it l- look uh tropical freeze is an incredible game so i uh, you know if they finish our trilogy all power to them i just think people are going to be very mad about it and i think nintendo so nintendo rarely kind of um react to fans in a pretty savage way but they did once after wind waker with twilight princess and i think with donkey kong it might be the same uh sad as that may be mm. um but uh, yeah, I think Retro are going to go in a different direction and um, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, that's basically going to wrap us up. So uh, let's get out of here. Before we do, we've got things to plug and talk about. Of course, we launched our Patreon and we reached our first goal, Bally, uh, which unlocked our first podcast, TNL Sweet. Ranks. Um, we're going to be putting out the first episode of that uh, a week after this podcast goes up. So if you'd like to get access to that brand new podcast uh, uh, for our Patreon, uh, that will be on our $2 tier uh, and uh, you'll get access straight away. Uh, a bunch of cool other stuff that we have uh, on that Patreon. We, so. should, we should say our first episode of TNL Ranks, we're going to be talking about our top 2D platformers. Absolutely. Uh, so that's going to be a fun discussion. I uh, hope you'll enjoy that. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can find that at patreon.com slash this Nintendo life. Um, and yeah, if you would like to support us in any way, that would be very much appreciated. Um, we also would like to hear from you because game of the year is coming up. We just talked about it this entire segment. Uh, and we are, of course, going to be doing our two game of the year shows as per tradition. Uh, the first one, which will be uh, the first week uh, or the first show in December is going to be um our top 10 games that we played this year that didn't actually come out this year uh and then our second show is going to be us trying to figure out a top five god help us uh for nintendo (laughs) games that came out in 2017 and that will be a fun discussion as well but we want to hear from you what were your favorite games that you played this year whether they came out this year or not uh send those to this nintendo life at gmail.com or go to our discord server uh and drop us uh um, your thoughts there maybe it'd be a good idea to open a game of the year thread there maybe just put it in the email segment probably email segment is easier uh so we don't clutter things even more um so so yeah go over there and give us your thoughts on your game of the year picks um and then bali we also have a feature coming up uh, in the new year what what should people be doing it's our backlog club and of course it is final fantasy 6 uh it's quite a long game i think it's about 30 35 hours so Mm -hmm. get playing uh we are 
probably going to talk about that at the end of January. That's roughly where we're scheduling it for now. So yeah, get started with that. It's available on everything but the Wii U, apparently. So uh, (laughs) pretty much make make sure to find that. It's of course on the SNES Classic and the Wii eShop if you want to play that. Oh, and of course it's on the Super Nintendo if you really want to go hard. Oh yeah, Um, that's how we're playing it. Super or what the Super Nintendo Classic? Exactly. Not the actual um, Super Nintendo. I am (laughs) definitely using a lot of save states, but I'm getting there. And yeah, we'll talk about that end of January. Uh, So yeah, I think that's the three big announcements we had for the end of the show fantastic so let's just plug ourselves and get on out of here you can of course follow me on twitter i am at lord nbz uh, and uh, i'm talking about whatever i don't know i'm just it's twitter you just say things bali where can people see you say things on twitter see me say things on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 uh, and make sure to follow the podcast twitter account that's at tnl podcast that's at tnl podcast uh, that's the best place to go. It's got a link to our Discord. It's got a link to our Patreon. It's got links to everything you need that we've been talking about. Uh, it's a nice little hub there, the Twitter account, for, for nice everything hub. we uh, Definitely discuss. recommend that. Yeah, uh, You can find the show in various places. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on every good podcatcher out there. Uh, you can download us, you can rate us, you can review us on iTunes. Reviewing us on iTunes is now the second best thing you can do for the podcast because we have a Patreon now, so that's the number one best thing you can do. <laughs> but uh, reviews on iTunes are absolutely uh, useful, valuable, and uh, uh, we treasure them greatly. So uh, if you have not gone out of your way to do that, it's a very simple process and it, it helps a huge amount. So um, if you want to give us a present for the holiday, then uh, send us an iTunes review. We would be most welcoming of that. Uh, anything else we need to talk about, Bali, before we get on out of here? I've just got to go play all these games before the end of the year because they're building up. Yeah, we're drowning. We're absolutely drowning. Uh, but we will get through and uh, we'll be talking about that very soon. So join us next time uh, for the next episode when we'll be talking about Game of the Year stuff. And we hope you uh, will look forward to that as, as we do. Um, so thank you and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, everyone. interludes used on today's show were Angel Wings from Rocket League, copyright Psionics 2015, and Uber Violence from Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus, copyright Machine Games Bethesda 2017. I suspect uh, you'll have had you'll have a hard time deciding which game wins based on your different opinion. Uh, I'll probably side with Barry. But Barry? Barry? <laughs> That's well, I'm going to start Barry. this again. <laughs> oh, that was too many trips. Who is right. Barry? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Barry. Hey, welcome to TNL Podcast with NBZ and Barry. Um, How you doing, Barry? You fall off that cliff again? <laughs> let's you never watched these tennis, did you? Oh, god damn it. Okay, do you want to clap? Uh, yeah, I already did. Okay, cool. Barry was the best part of EastEnders. They shouldn't have killed Barry. That's all I'm saying. Are we ready? Yep. Okay. All right, Barry. <laughs>